Am I on? All right. Thank you, Jeff. A woman came home to find her husband in the kitchen, shaking frantically with what looked like wires running from his waist to an electric skillet. She wanted to jolt him away from the deadly current. Wasting no time, she grabbed a two-by-four by the door, hit him, instantly breaking his arm in two places. Up until that very moment, he was happily enjoying some tunes on his Walkman while fixing himself breakfast. That's really a bad day. (laughs) This is a beautiful day the Lord has made. Amen? Amen. (laughs) uh, I'm calling this message Loving Lost People because that's what we're called to do. That's what Jesus did. He, uh, God so loved that he gave his own son When the crowds gathered around Jesus and they pressed in hard after Jesus was tired and spent, he looked at the multitudes pressed up against him and he had compassion for the lost. And uh, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you see what he said, what he taught, what he did, his compassion, mercy, his kindness, his love for you and me. And you want to be like him. Or at least we should. I look at these qualities in God and I know I need them in my life. I know I need them in my walk with Jesus. Paul speaking out in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 concerning the spiritual gifts. That there are diversities of gifts but one spirit. To one, the gift of wisdom. To another, the the word of knowledge. To another, the gift of healing. Another, working of miracles. And to another, prophecy. But God gives spiritual gifts to each believer as he wills. And it's always for the glorifying of the body of Christ. And for the edifying of the Lord. That God would give us boldness to proclaim his goodness. And to proclaim his salvation. But Jesus, but Paul goes on and devotes a whole chapter, chapter 13 of Corinthians, to the gift of love. Because gang, you and I can have all the gifts. And if you have not love, you're a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. You're a noisemaker in the world. And no one wants to hear what you've got to say if you don't love them first. And we live in a world that is perishing without hope. And this is what Paul says. He says, Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. I know if I'm going to have a heart for the lost, lost people, I, I need to have a heart like God. 
But so often I recognize, more often than I care to admit, I have the heart of a Pharisee. I'm judgmental. I look at other people around me. I look at lost people, you know, people that mock Christianity, people that run abortion clinics, people who live like hell, who cheat, cuss, drink, smell funny. And I think they're wrecking my world. They're wrecking my religion. They start to cussing and I think, you're offending my ears. And uh, I can look at those in the, that abuse the system, our welfare system, and uh, I get offended by that. I can look at those that market, promote, and sell pornography, and I can so easily forget that these are they that Jesus came to save, hung out with, and died for. And you and I must have a heart for the lost. I'm going to take my text this morning from Matthew chapter 9. If you turn with me this morning. Matthew 9, starting at verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax office. And he said to him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. I want to tell you how... I, I just couldn't imagine somebody walking to me at my work and coming to me and saying, Fritz, come, follow me. And that I would leave my work, my security, everything that I know. I believe there was something more going on underneath. I believe Matthew had gotten to that place where he knew I'm lost. What have I done? What have I done with my life? He was a Jewish boy. And he got into that place where it's like, this is, I thought this would be a life of wealth. And believe me, he did have money. But in his heart, he was empty and without hope. And the word had spread that this Jesus had come and was Performing miracles. Crowds were gathered around him. And Matthew had heard about all the miracles that Jesus had been doing. And he thought, I missed it. I missed my opportunity. I believe that the, all the Pharisees would gather together and say, have you heard about this Jesus? And Matthew in his heart said, I, I, I blew it. There's no hope for me. And a lot of times that's the way the world looks. They think, I have no hope. If, if God knew and he does know what I've done, there's no hope for me. This is Matthew's own simple, humble account of his own conversion. 
And it says that Jesus came and said, follow me. And he got up and left. You've got to wonder what Jesus saw in Matthew. I mean, we read that he's a tax collector, but that's no big thing. But the profession hasn't been very popular in any era, and especially in, in, in Christ's era. Tax collectors were the quizzling of Palestine. They were what we would call in the fish business bottom feeders. They took from their own people and gave to Rome. They were not only hated, but they were despised, spit upon. As long as they got, met their quota, they could tax whatever they wanted, as much as they wanted, and it was legal. People ducked when they saw them, these guys coming. Not only was Matthew a tax collector, but he was a public tax collector. And what that meant is there was tax collectors that did their tax collecting in private, and they would have runners to do their dirty work. But Matthew did his own. He pulled his limo right in the middle of, middle of town, set up his booth, and stuck his hand out and said, Give me. He was the leech at the bottom of the pit. That's where he was when Jesus called him that day. You've got to wonder what it was that Jesus saw in Matthew. You see, God looks... Man looks at the outer appearance, but God looks at our heart. God saw something in Matthew that day. Matthew was lost, but he was about as lost as a man could be. Though he may not have known it, he immediately got up and left it all behind. Matthew that day arose and followed Jesus. As one person said, he lost a comfortable job but he found a destiny. He lost a good income, but found honor. He lost a comfortable security and found an adventure the like of which no one could ever dream. He was one of the 12. And he would live with Jesus for three years. In verse 10 it goes, Now what happened as Jesus sat at the table of the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him, and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They went to Ma- When you read the other gospel stories, you understand that they met at Matthew's house. And I got to tell you how I see it in my head, and this isn't in the gospel story but this is the heart of my Lord. Jesus said to Matthew, Matthew, we're going to your house. See, that was honor. And uh, Matthew would say, say, yes, Lord, and we're going to eat at your house, Matthew. I want you to invite your friends. And Matthew would be like, no, Lord, you don't understand. These are awful men. They drink, they cuss, and when they get to drinking, they're not liable to say about anything. Lord, I, you don't want them in your house. And Ma- Jesus would be like, Matthew, they're your friends. Bring your friends. 
Because, gang, this is who Jesus chose to hang out with. This is who Jesus, this was his ministry. Lost people. They wanted to be around him. You know, Jesus is still attracting sinners today at his table. I have to be willing, I have to have a heart that's willing to stand at the front of the door with a handshake, a smile, a hug, a kind gesture, and welcome people in when they come. Because people come broken, and people come for hope. People come to sit at Jesus' table. And he goes on in in verse 11. It says, And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick... But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. When the Pharisees saw it, they were displeased. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Man, that can so easily be our heart today. Those that come into the church. I recognize it happening in my own walk with the Lord. We can look at lost people as a nuisance. Unclean. If you are found, it's so easy to forget how it was to be lost. To forget where I was when God found me. Because I was truly a mess. And Joni would say, you're still messy. Jesus looked at at the loss with compassion. We really are sheep without a shepherd. Amen? I want you to do me a favor and turn to Luke 15. Starting at verse 1, this is what... uh, What it says. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. You see, we don't have to promote, sell, or advertise. People will come. If you and I teach the truth in God's word and deliver the gospel message of Jesus in Christ crucified, people will come. People are hurting. You see, I see people come in and I see they have a Bible in their hand and they're dressed in their best church attire and they're looking for, for a seat. I think in my heart, they're looking for a church. They're looking for some place to call home. And I stick my hand out and I welcome them here at Calvary Chapel Beale. But I have to be honest with you. 
I see someone come in and their hair is messy. Their clothes are wrinkled and worn. And they look like the world is beating them up beside the head. And they have that look in their, their eye of terror. Like this is my last hope. And I'm drawn to them. And it doesn't matter if I'm up here singing a song. All I can think in my heart, I need to go welcome him. Because there is hope in Christ. And we have to have that, that heart of Jesus to welcome those that come. And it may be their last hope, their last chance, the last place. Where if this fails, I have nothing. Because Christ changes everything. Christ changes our circumstances and our life. Verse 2 goes, And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them. You see, in this culture... We read that and we think, well, what's the big deal? But in this culture, to eat with someone, it was to become one with them. It was to identify with them. And when you ate with somebody, you said, I, you and I are one. And it's still, eating with someone is very, very intimate in the Middle East today. That is why they said, he receives them. And he eats with them. Because in their heart, they're just not being nasty. They're saying, don't you understand? Why does your, your, your teacher eat with them? Because this would make a man unclean in their hearts. Not in God's eyes. In their eyes. And verse 3 goes... What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which was lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And... Jesus wasn't picking on him. He was saying, this is the heart of the Father. This needs to be your heart. See, we call lost people many things in the church today. We call them unfound, unsaved, unbelievers, future Christians, heathens. But the Bible calls them lost. Jesus said... When he was in Zacchaeus' house. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. See, this is the heart of God. This is the heart of God that we serve. It is why we assemble. And if it isn't, we're just a clanging symbol. This is why we go out into the world. And if we don't have a heart for the lost, it's a waste of time. We're sent to seek and save that which was lost and to follow the example of our Savior. 
Verse 7 goes, And I said to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Jesus expresses a great truth to us. That there is incredible joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and turns to God. The Pharisees were criticizing Jesus for associating with them. And I hate when I begin to act just like them. And I do. And we all do. When you've been here a while, it's easy to take your eyes off the prize and start judging other people. Other people in church. People in the world. And when my walk begins and starts to become religious and religion, I become like a Pharisee. I hate when I begin to act like a religious person and forget that I'm called to be a light into the world for Jesus Christ. When I was three years old, I was a terror. I had to climb everything, run everywhere, and you couldn't hold me down. And uh, I've changed a lot. (laughs) But I went at 110 miles an hour all the time. And I remember that my parents had to hold both of my hands. And they couldn't let go because I would be gone and off. And one time I got loose in a supermarket. It was a large supermarket in California. And uh, as soon as I wiggled loose, I was gone. And uh, the manager of the store caught me. And he said, hi. I said, hi. And he said, "Uh, are you okay? I said, yeah. And he goes, are you lost? I said, no. He goes, do you know where your parents are? I said, yeah. He goes, where are your parents? I said, they're lost. (laughs) See, I don't remember that story, but what it's told to me so many times is if Fritz isn't lost, we're lost. He He knows exactly where he's going. But see, the people in the world don't know that they're lost. We stuff that hole in our heart with all kinds of objects, hobbies, addictions. Jesus let them know that their heart was out of harmony with heaven. Speaking of the Pharisees, you see, if you share the heart of heaven, they too would have rejoiced that sinners were being saved. And they thought it They thought it was a mockery to God. Is our attitude towards sinners more like in line with the heart of heaven or is it more like a Pharisee? I have to ask myself that all the time. Verse 8 goes, Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends, neighbors, Together saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. 
When I read this, I'm looking into the heart of my Savior. And he was trying to reach the Pharisees that they would have a heart like this and understand why he associated with tax collectors and sinners. You've got to understand there's a party in heaven every time someone gives their heart to the Lord. God is saying, rejoice with me. Rejoice. That which was lost is found. See, lost people are everywhere. They're all around us. They're at our supermarkets. They fill our judicial system, our jails, our prisons, our bars. Every weekend, they're our neighbors, our brothers, our sisters, our mother, our father, our boss at work. They're in the car right next to us, giving us that gesture of love. You know what I'm saying. And sometimes we can forget that that boss that we work with that gives us so much trouble is lost. And I'm called to be there to be a light. That doesn't mean that I'm called to cram the gospel message down people's throat. I just need to be kind and remember. I need to shine. See, we need to have God cultivate in our hearts what it means to be lost. Each and every one of us. That we would get over our religious Phariseeism. Lost people are searching and they are searching for something they do not know of. Because what do we stuff in that hole in our heart? Addictions, alcohol, drugs, sex, all those things, possessions. I need another motorcycle, I need another car. Sorry, Richard. You know, have hobbies. I want you to come over and check, over, check out my shrubbery. It's so cool. You, you can touch it. I have snow domes. You can shake them. I have them from every city in the country. I, re- I really don't. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man that cannot be filled with any created thing but God himself. We need to tell them about Jesus. I know what Jesus saw in Matthew that day. The same sinner Jesus saw in us. Amen? See, Jesus went to Jericho just to save one lost sinner. And Zacchaeus was hanging in a tree because he was too short to see over the crowd. He wasn't tall like me. Zacchaeus needed a savior. And he knew, even though he was a rich tax collector, that he was lost. Jesus came for you and me.
Matthew spent the rest of his life convincing folks that the carpenter was a king, the Lamb of God. Paul said in Philippians 3, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, to whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Paul was a Pharisee also. He was a Pharisee of Pharisee. He had found Christ, and despite all his religious accomplishments, counted it all, everything, as rubbish to the excellence of the knowledge of Christ and him crucified. When Jesus says, come to me, he doesn't say, come to religion, come to a system, come to a certain doctrine. This is a very personal invitation to a Savior. When we come to Jesus, we need to count all of our assets as absolute rubbish for the excellence and the knowledge of Christ and be found in Him. He is everything we need. Matthew heard the call of Jesus that day and never looked back. Jesus gave the call and never took it back. Jesus could take even a despicable character like a tax collector and use him for his glory and for his kingdom. And that's all it takes today is a simple acknowledgement of that response to that invitation, follow me. This is still what it takes today to turn from a life of meaningless corruption, emptiness and unhappiness to become a follower of Jesus Christ this morning. John Calvin once said, I gave up all to follow Christ, and what have I found? I have found everything in Christ. I hope you can say, I have found what I was looking for. If you're still searching, I have what you need. I can offer you hope in Jesus Christ today. He has open arms and he says, come follow me. If you are willing to hear, don't refuse this call. I want want him to dim the lights, if you could. Because it would be a waste of my time if I didn't give an invitation this morning. To give your heart to Christ this morning. I want everyone to bow your heads. And if anyone would like to invite Christ into your heart this morning, I want you to just lift your hands. I don't, I don't, I don't want to embarrass you, but if you just lift a hand. Don't refuse his call this morning. I see your hand. God bless you. Anyone else? I see your hand. God bless you. I know Christ is tugging at hearts this morning. Anyone else? God bless you. I see your hand. Let's all pray together. Repeat after me, saints. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Son. I thank you that he died for me. And that he was buried. And he rose again to pay for my sins. I thank you for that new life in your blood. And I give my life to you. I will follow you all my days. And I will give you glory. Thank you for that new life. In your blood. In Jesus' name. Amen. And the angels rejoice. God bless. Let's end in a prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you aware that we are lost without you. Aware that you pierced our world and that you pierced our hearts. You became flesh and dwelt among us. You saw us in our fallen state and you reached in and pulled us out. You offered us salvation. You offered us mercy. Most important, you showed us how to love. Lord, give us a heart for the lost. Lord, help us to recognize when we begin to live like a religious person and not as a follower of you. Lord Christ, I, I, I thank you for this new life, Lord, that you've given us. Lord, and that uh, what a glorious adventure it is. Lord, we just thank you for this day you've made. Lord, uh, be blessed by our, our fellowship, and may we uh, show the love that you showed us. In Jesus' name, amen.